I loved the worship songs this morning. How much do you love Jesus? How much do you love him? You know, sometimes it's good to take a step back and just evaluate why, what is the purpose of our breath in our lungs to rise each day and to simplify life with some some questions that the Lord asked me, even put on my heart this morning, and I, I didn't think I'd be reading them now, but before we pray, I want to, you know, we, we, just, we just worshiped and prayed about exalting the name of Jesus, worshiping him, lifting him high. And the Lord put on my heart these questions. Am I exalted in your life? Is God exalted in your life? Is Jesus exalted in your priorities? Is Jesus exalted in your attitude? Is Jesus exalted in your money, in your finances? Is he exalted in how you treat your body and how you steward your body? Is he exalted in your relationships and how you love? Do those things that we live and move and have our being here on this earth, do they reflect an exaltation of the name of Jesus to others? That is the question that the Lord desires every answer to be yes. Because If the first thing on your mind when you rise in the morning is what you have to do is checking your email, is what you need to, what you're going to wear, those are not bad things. But he wants us to rise to exalt his name. And he's been teaching me in many different ways. That before I even lift my head off my pillow, I say, I praise the name of Jesus. I praise the name of Jesus because my ability to awaken into a new day is because he gave me that. And I really, really want us to just remember that focus. Let's just pray before we begin this morning. Father God, I just love you. I just exalt you, Jesus. That name above all names. You are the King of kings. You are Lord of lords. You are the Most High God. And you are surely worthy of all of our praise. Not just our praise in an organized corporate worship setting, but the praise of how we live, how we move how we make decisions, how we have our being here on this earth. You are worthy of our praise to be in all of those things. I just, I just want to love you, pour out my love for you. 
And God, I know that every time we profess something in a declaration, you long for that to be so true for you protect us that we don't speak lies. And so you test our very words. And so, God, as we have just worshipped your name, you don't want us lying when we talk. You surely don't want us lying when we sing. So, God, help us to accept the refinement that will prove out what we believe our hearts are saying. I thank you for everything you've taken me through. Everything that in the time was painful, maybe a bitter pill to swallow. But, oh, God, you are good, and you used it for my good. You continue to. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you love me enough to correct me. Oh, God, your correction It doesn't drive me from you. It draws me to you. Because as I am more clean and more holy before you, we can have greater oneness and fellowship and relationship together. I just thank you. I just thank you, God. I just worship you. I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to just fill me. Fill me with what you've shown me already in the notes that I've taken or... Fill me with something I didn't even know you wanted to say this morning. It is all yours. I am not here to fulfill a desire of my heart, except to serve you, to be obedient. I'm here to release what you have. I thank you for even the prayer of Yvonne last night when we prayed together before we went to sleep, who asked you, Lord, to allow me to sit And hear what you have to say, even though it may be coming through my mouth. God, I just want your will to be done. I thank you, God, for what you're doing right now through Greg, through the obedient steps that he is taking to follow what you have led. And, oh, God, we are just excited to see what will be revealed from what you are doing now in the spirit realm. It will be revealed upon the earth. And I just thank you. I worship you. Open our hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. In Jesus' mighty and holy name, amen. So the spirit realm is quite intense with activity. Um Many of you know that Greg has been in um, Nigeria for a few weeks. And um, the latter end of this trip, um, God took him on a stealth assignment to a place where more declarations are to be made. And so um, he did, I, I did not know for a time, and, um, and then it was, able to be released, and and he's still there, but I can just tell you where he is, um, some of the places that he's already completed his declarations, but he is actually uh, right now, as we speak, in Geneva, Switzerland, and um, he has been making various declarations, um, 
just mention a couple places that he has already been to already, and that is the World Economic Forum, and he has been to CERN and made powerful declarations. And by the way, um, I want to mention to you, if you don't understand sometimes assignments of declarations, um, he is not the only one that God calls to make declarations. Um, I've heard other people say that. Robin Bullock has been called to give declarations. We've heard that. Tim and Dutch Sheets, definitely, they're, they're, some of their team have been called to various areas to give declarations. Don't think that God is not calling you to make certain declarations. He may not have you go overseas to do it. But sometimes you are called simply to make a declaration And sometimes that word throws us off like there's some formality to it. It is sometimes to release and and create. Remember, we are made in the image of God. We are the image bearers of God. And clearly before the fall of man, there was a beautiful fellowship and oneness. And then the fall of man. But then Jesus came, paid it all, and redeemed us. And so, but like like. God, what he has called forth from mankind in his image to do is to create with words. Do you know words create? What you speak about, you bring about. That is why you look at the language of a person's life and you will see the activity be like their language. Okay? The very language of complaining from the children of Israel in that first generation literally pulled them right out of the promised land. Because their actions followed their words. They spoke. And even though they thought it was hidden, because scripture says they murmured in their tents, their words created an outcome that was devastating for them. So declaration isn't just some formal thing by some, you know, we we often refer to the words, well, so-and-so has a high calling. Don't think of high calling as in hierarchy, like in the religious terms. High usually just means very heavy with heavy consequences, Um, but we are all called according to his purpose if we love God and have accepted Jesus. So in that calling, God will have you speak. There are declarations God has mothers speak every day over their children. And by the way, if you're not careful, you can speak absolute declarations of death over your children. Parents, sadly, not walking with the Lord or allowing their flesh to take over in some moments, um, speak devastating things over their children. Many of us have maybe been on the receiving end of that. I've heard many stories through the years of people that have had just dark things spoken over them. And, And we overcome in the name of Jesus and in the power of Jesus. But the person releasing that is responsible. So Greg was called to make particular declarations in over specific things and again because of the position that god has given him in the bride to make that but god has given each of us a position in the bride to make declarations so pay attention and listen develop the attuned ear by your yes every day to what it is the lord wants you to speak and begin to speak his heart watch what god will do to change things why do you think prayer is so powerful James 5.16, the latter part of that verse says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Avails much in another translation just means produces great results. 
because prayer is, especially prayer in the name of Jesus and according to the will of the Father, okay, in, in alignment with his heart, releases God's plan on the earth to, to unfold. And so these declarations have been really incredible. And um, I'm telling you what, none of these declarations that, that Greg is saying. I, I've been married to the man for close to 35 years now. And these are the Lord's words. Like, he doesn't speak this way. And he didn't look it up in a book. He just stood there, asked the Lord to speak, and he released it. And you'll notice that when you, um, when you draw closer and closer into this relationship that is offered by God, you will begin to um, have things just come forth in your life in so many ways. We, we know we have the fruits of the Spirit. We know we are given an endowment of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which I don't want to derail on all that, but I, I want to, as many times as we've talked and Greg has preached through the years over and over, I mean, how many messages the theme is, well, what did he preach on? Relationship relationship with Jesus, relationship with Jesus. And it, it sometimes has to be said over and over again because there are different aspects of it that we can know in concept, we can know in doctrine, we can know in an understanding of intellectual, okay, yes, that's in the Word of God, so there I believe it. But, but we don't necessarily experientially understand it and to where it actually transforms our lives. Um, until we live it out and we begin to, to go after it and seek him for it. Um, you don't need to be told for your, your mind's sake, your brain's sake, the, word you're supposed to be, the words you're supposed to be in relationship with Jesus. You know that you know that you know that up here. It's just how, how much you know it is going to be reflected in the transformation that is seen in your life. And... Um, so what's interesting about what the Lord kind of gave me today um, was it's kind of like the end of a part three kind of word, I guess. Uh, when, I, when I was thinking two weeks ago, how he had me talk about trust and being trusted, this acknowledgement that we're to give him. Then last week was rise above, and it was like, it's all this, this drawing into what he offers us relationally. And so I, I want you to look at a verse with me um, that he gave me, and, and it, it was not even really what I was studying, although sometimes when, I, when, he's not, when I'm not hearing him as clearly as far as where he wants me to go in the Word of God, I often go to the Gospel of John. Um, I, I do love that. And in John 13, and in this... Um, I'll be in the ESV. John chapter 13, verses 36 through 38. This is Jesus foretelling Peter's denial. And this just really struck me. It says in verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter, of course, we know as a very passionate disciple, his reaction right away was, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. 
he's, he's all riled up about, you know, I, I'm the one. I'll, I'll go with you. I, I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus immediately, after the release of those words from Peter's mouth, looked at him. And the weight of the words that came back out of Jesus' mouth, Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Peter, you know, we often think about lie detector tests as being the measure of whether our heart really means something or not. Peter's heart was genuine when he said, I will lay down my life for you. But Peter's character had not yet been built to where those words would actually have been true in the moment. And so Jesus spoke to where he is, where he, where he was right then. It's like I'm speak, he was speaking right now and telling him the truth of, hey, before you speak so radically, think about what it means. We throw out so many Christianese words. I'll give my life to Jesus. You want me to go to Africa? You know, you want me to, you want me to go down to the, to the local store here in Elton and pass out tracks and possibly have somebody yell at me or spit at me? You know, I mean, forget, forget some third world country. It's hard for people to just go onto the streets, the highways and byways, and tell people about the Lord. And yet, in our moments of worship, in our moments of, of an experience of wanting his presence and wanting to feel warm and fuzzy, we'll sometimes make these declarations. And the Lord has to show us that, hey, that's where your heart is. Now I'm going to take you through the process to make that be true. And by the way, if he takes you through the process to make those words true, guess what? Praise God, because it means that our hearts really do want it, and we just have to get there. He is good. He is good when he takes you through things that will build your faith. I am thankful. I knew my heart wanted him years and years ago. But the rest of me wanted a whole lot more self-preservation, a whole lot more fulfilling things that uh, other people thought were appropriate so that I would not experience rejection from them, Um, a whole lot more of the entanglements of this life. Uh, I wanted a whole lot more of what I thought that God wanted because surely this is what God wants. And the Lord was like, you're telling me you want me. You're telling me you want to give your life for me. I need to define that for you. And so I'm going to take you through things out of my love so that what you're bound by in your definition that is not my definition will be off of you. There is a verse in Hebrews, and I actually I grabbed, rather than going through my phone, I wanted to just bring two paper Bibles. But there is a verse in Hebrews in the Amplified Classic that we know well, but I like it in this translation. It's Hebrews 12, verse 27. 
And it says, now this expression, yet once more, indicates the final removal and transformation of all that can be shaken. That is, of all that has been created in order that what cannot be shaken may remain and continue. Verse 28, let us therefore receiving a kingdom that is firm and stable and cannot be shaken, offer to God a pleasing service and acceptable worship with modesty, pious care, and godly fear and awe. For our God is indeed a consuming fire. We are in the time of the shaking. We are in the time of not just doctrinally believing love not the world neither the things that are in the world for if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him we know those verses we believe those verses and we maybe have declared those verses but now he's saying i need to test that to find out how much the love of the father is in you and how much the love of the world is in you still letting you choose but showing you whether your words are real or whether you just want to do what you want to do and hope it's okay with me and hope that I will put my approval on your heart desires and therefore not having to really give up a whole lot. And sometimes we think we're giving up so much because Our pursuit in striving can be quite exhausting. Have you ever been in a place of striving? It's just exhausting. And and it's such a pious place of, Lord, I'm going through so much to serve you, and it's just so hard, and I've just been through this and through that. And, you know, Lord, you just, oh, I just, you know, help me, help me, help me. And he's like, I'll help you, but if you think that's something I told you to do, it ain't. And he would use better English. But it's really true. I have, I have just strived and strived and the whole time thinking that I'm just sacrificing and giving everything to him. All the while he's had to show me. And I'm so grateful for it, which is why it makes me so emotional. I'm grateful. I just have such a grateful heart that he said all that that you were doing for me. The focus was not on me. It was on me. It was on me so that I could feel good about serving you. That's not how it works, people. That is not how it works. Jesus did not die to make us feel good. He died to give life and to give life more abundant. In that life, it feels good. In that life, it feels good. But the pursuit of the feel good is not the pursuit of God. And that is why understanding what he is about to pour out on this earth is so important. That is why understanding what revival is, what it means. Revival was not meant to be a temporary experience that fades and fizzles after a certain period of time. Revival, living in the presence, being in the glory, being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, operating in the gifts, living, moving, and having our being in him was designed to be normal christianity it was designed to be the way it's supposed to be 
It was never supposed to be a high and then a low, a roller coaster ride that comes to an end at some point. That was not the design of God. He created us for his glory. He created us for fellowship with himself. And when we can just get that, it just will change everything. It'll take all the pressure off. The pressure of, even as I was back there, I, I, I felt the, the swirl trying to come at me again with, well, you need to think about what you're going to say. You need to think about what you're going to say. You need, and the Lord was like, no, I gave you what to say. Think about me. If you forget certain things, it's because I had you forget certain things. Whatever you say, if you trust me, it's going to come out because you got to speak me, not you. Easier said than done, I know. But that's what he desires. And not just for people who stand in this place. It's for you when you wake up in the morning, when you face your struggles, your trials, when you wake up with the burdens for your loved ones, for your, your, your circumstantial issues, all these things. He wants to be the focus. And not the kind of focus that says, okay, I'm, I'm going to just deny that there's everything going on around me and I'm just going to just going to think about you and 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 numb everything out no he wants the focus to be on who he is to all of these things it's like lord see when you get to know him you get to know him in his word because the focus on him sometimes we think is this is just this meditative place apart from this It is not. It is a marriage of the two. It is soaking in the presence of the Holy Spirit, guiding you to know him in his word. There is soundness in the word of God with what he's revealed. You don't approach the word of God without the Holy Spirit, or you get a whole lot of religion defined as man's attempt to reconcile himself to God. Man's attempt. Religion that, as I gave the example last week, the religion that leads us into a, a good works to find heaven religion, false religion to even get saved. Okay, but then there's the religious aspect after salvation that, yes, we believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection, and you need to invite him into your heart. But now you need to live this way, this way, this way by a set of rules so that you're you know, complying with the church's doctrine. That's also a form of religion. It's still man's attempt to reconcile himself by what he does and what he um, complies with or, or a creed that he lives by himself to God. And the Lord is saying, no, just soak in me. Let me tell you more of myself in his word. He did not design this book to be understood, literally did not allow this book to be understood apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from the Holy Spirit himself revealing it to us. There is a, a cryptic aspect to the word of God, even to the most brilliant scholars. The first time I ever realized I didn't think that these brilliant scholars could be actually not saved, like not even have accepted Jesus to come into their heart. They, their whole lives have been about studying the intricacies and the beauty and the wonder of this book and how it connects with actual like science. You know, we, we think science confirms the, the word of God. Well, I'm sorry. It's the other way around. The word of God confirms science, right? 
But I had no idea that it was even possible for somebody to put that much of their life into the word and not actually be saved. But that's because there is such a desire for man to be kind of godlike. And if they can know, you know, when you think about false prophets, the one that stands out the most to me is uh, Harari. I can't remember his first name. No, Noel? Anyway, whatever his first name is. He is, um, he is uh, well, let's just say seed of Satan's in there somewhere. <laughs> whatever, you want to call him Nephilim, whatever you want to do. I mean, this is, it's an open, open blasphemy, this guy. I mean, he base he, you know, we hear a lot of things that we consider false prophecy and there's heresies and things like that floating around. But, I mean, this guy has basically said, we no longer need God when we have technology. What is the purpose of God? There is no need for a higher power. We are the highest power. I mean, you know, things that are kind of like pretty easy to determine. You don't have to look real deep to hear false prophecy in there. And if you don't think that people like that have studied this book, remember, Satan used the word of God himself to tempt Jesus. The twisting of scripture is... All day long, always there, always there. That's why without the understanding through the Holy Spirit, we won't understand the book. So, so then you say, okay, well, I, you know, I always study the Word of God with Holy Spirit. What I'm saying is the Word of God is meant to be, to be revelation in our lives in a relational process of learning. See, it is through relationship with him. It is through oneness and fellowship with him that he reveals things to us. It isn't through the intense buckling down, Holy Spirit, give me revelation. Holy Spirit, give me revelation. It is, and and a beautiful message recently given um, through Bryn was the, the message on rest. It really is through this place of rest that is just a... Rest is a place in your faith that is a confidence in where you are relationally with the Lord. And it's interesting that what that place of rest actually looks like in your day-to-day life, because it looks like the, the complete erasing of whining, complaining, begging. There is, there are there is a cry of our heart that wants more of him because we yearn, we just yearn for him when, when we become so aware of our dependency in him. I don't mean that. I'm talking about from a place of lack. When you yearn for more of him because of who you, you by faith, know him to be, that's a good thing. When you yearn for him because you don't think you have him, that's a whole issue altogether. That's not a faith prayer. When you constantly say, Lord, be with me, be with me, be with me. Do you know that's a, that's a prayer he cannot answer? Because he will never leave you or forsake you. The whole premise, the presupposition of that request is false. It's, it's saying, you're not with me, so please be with me. Now, I know what people mean. It, don't get hung up on words. I'm talking about the heart posture of that. I know sometimes when people say, be with me, what they're basically saying is, let me, let me experience in this realm your presence upon me. But we do have to recognize, the Lord's kind of had me change up even the language in my prayer because he doesn't want those words to ever mean that in my heart. And so I have found myself asking differently 
fill me or let me overflow with you or 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 sometimes I'll just say thank you for being with me. You know some that the loss of the grateful heart is is a dangerous place to be. Um, God wants confidence in our hearts of who he is. And so he he was just just showing me so much of himself and and I know I've told you guys before that I I have found sometimes when I've been intensely studying and it's so interesting this morning Bryn even mentioned this in class to the ladies um because it it literally happens to me all the time this place of you know when you're you're going after him for revelation because you just need it you need it and then you find when you go someplace and you're not thinking about it quite as much all of a sudden it'll just drop and download and it's just so funny because that happens to me and I think that's why the Lord has given me so much when I'm on the elliptical I just I just get on and I'm just I'm just worshiping him, and my intent is to just be in a place where whatever restlessness of my body is going. It's just like it's all the restlessness is in my, the physical motion so that everything inside is completely calmed. It's just, that's just one of the ways he kind of does it. And, um, but in those moments, the downloads that come, I mean, it's just extraordinary. And sometimes... Sometimes his presence will fall on me to where I can hardly stay on the machine because I'm just, I'm just weeping. I'm just, there, is a, there is a wilting of, the, of, of my humanity, of literally my human vessel that just often shows me how powerful God is when I can, and I've had other experiences where I can't even get off the floor from the weight of his presence. And, and, and yet he was showing me that's only just the, the, a, just a tiny tip of a pin amount of it. So the weight of who he is and his glory is so amazing. And so he was showing me so many things the other day. And I asked him, I said, Lord, I don't want to be in my faith. I've I seen glimpses of where you want to take me, and, and many of you have, too. You've been either prophesied over or he's given you visions and glimpses of what he wants to do in your life. And, and I said, Lord, I don't want to be this fragile person that's so easily shaken. I don't want to be shaken. I, I want to be standing on the rock. I want to be strong in you, not in and of myself. And um, I don't want to be fragile and I, I want to be fortified. And so he began to show me that's what he wanted for this message, there's fragile, there's positions of your faith. Because he definitely showed me, no, you're not, you, you may be in a fragile vessel, but you're not fragile. There's fragile, there's fractured, and there's fortified. Where are you? What the Lord is about to pour out in his spirit, you can call it revival, you can call it, you know, the end times, pouring out a spirit on all flesh, whatever name you want to give it. The Lord is going to come. Jesus is coming. I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm talking about as the bride rises to rule and reign through his people upon the earth, as his justice is enacted against all the evils, which are what these declarations are about. It's a taking land from the enemy through the bride. This is the time of the bride rising, right? He wants... And I think this is why, I know, this is why he has repeated it over and over again. He wants a fortification of our faith. Just like in the cities of old that were fortified, 
strengthened by the the brick upon brick upon brick, not only on, on top of each other, but beside each other, the thick walls fortifying us of his strength in that relational confidence so that when we are carrying what he's about to pour out, we will never be shaken from the focus being on him. See, we crave, and we talked about this yesterday a little bit at the Gifts of the Spirit meeting. We crave the gifts of the Spirit. We long for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. Where are they? Where is the prophecy? Where is the tongues? Where is the, you know, the, the healings, the word of wisdom, all these things? They're there. But let me just tell you something. The focus of God is that our hearts be relationally close to him. Because without that relational fortification in our faith, what is the story after the Holy Spirit flows through a powerful healing? What, what is the story when he falls on me, I pray healing over Don, who might only have one arm, I pray another arm grows out. Wonders and miracles. And he falls on me again, and I pray over another healing if somebody gets out of a wheelchair. Or, or there's, um, I mean, there's any number of things. Think about wonders, signs, miracles, glitter, things we've seen in different little pockets. What does the story look like after that? Can you carry the glory to where the the story is always about God receiving the glory? What happens when people are lining up around the block trying to get to your house because they heard how many people you prayed healing over? And they're desperate and dying, and they need to find somebody to hang on to who might have the power of God to help them. Who's going to receive the glory for that? See, when you're relationally fortified... God will always get the glory. There will never be, a, never be a moment. You won't. You look at the consequences of people in the word of God who received the glory for themselves. They were destroyed. The Lord doesn't want us destroyed. So whatever he's doing in the waiting, it is absolutely for our good and for his glory. Because when he pours it out, he wants us to be able to carry and host his presence to where the end of every story is him, not what we did. And sometimes we don't know where that's in there. Sometimes there's a little place of ego hiding that we don't know is there until God brings us through the process and exposes those weaknesses. And one of the glaring areas of weaknesses is when we rise every day only thinking about what we want to do, what we're supposed to do, or even what God wants us to do rather than thinking about him, who he is, how much we love him. Can you love him as much? Can you enjoy him as much when you're not doing anything as you do when you get to do something exciting that he's told you to do? Is there a different level of love? His processes for us, sometimes he sends people into a lot of action, a lot of assignments, and that's his process. Other people's processes, he sequesters them. And one of the strong primary examples that comes to my mind every time is the story of Joseph. I mean, here he has these dreams and promises over his life. He'll have power. He'll clearly carry power and influence in this life, you know, in his lifetime through these dreams. And, and I know people can say it, there's different views on it where he 
perhaps people say he was kind of arrogantly said it to his brothers. Well, this is the dream I had, and you're going to all bow down to me. And I don't, I think that arrogance could be there. What I see is a naivety of just kind of, well, this is what's going to happen. You know, it's just going to happen, you know, kind of like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to run, you know, kind of like if your if your young ch- child came to you one day. Yeah, mom, I'm going to I'm going to run the biggest corporation in the whole wide world. You know, I'm going to be a businessman or I'm going to be the, you know, the greatest basketball player ever in the whole wide world. I'm going to be the number one Olympian for 10 years in a row. You know, and you're just like, OK, boy, I want that for you. But you have no idea what you're saying and you have no idea what you're going to have to go through to get to that place. It's very possible if that's what God wants. But yet we know in our experience that there's a whole lot of a laid down life and a whole lot of a, of a discipline. And it will be a painful discipline to be able to carry that place, that lofty place. So I think that was more of what Joseph went through is more of a naivety of just this is what's going to happen. Because he just simply believed God. He just was, you know, he gave me this dream. So, of course, this is going to happen. So God, in his mercy, his love and his grace, you don't always see it that way allowed for a process, a painful process to fortify what, his, what he saw in Joseph's heart to be built. And it wouldn't be anything that Joseph would have ever chosen. Rejected, sold, a, a prisoner, a slave. And in, even though we don't see it in the actual story in Genesis, in the Psalms, it goes over what happened to him, beaten. His feet were in, cha- in, in um, these, these clamps, and they beat. You know how many nerve endings you have on the bottoms of your feet? They would whip and beat the bottoms of his feet. I mean, that is pain that if you've ever had extreme shooting pain in your foot, it, it, it rocks your entire body. I mean, really tortured for a long time. Then gets elevated out, gets, gets delivered from the prison, only to have another experience by a Jezebel woman wanting him to stumble again that the Lord used through him. Not Jezebel herself, but I'm not getting the stories mixed up. But a, an act of a woman that wanted him to stumble, that Satan had a setup there. And even though he did right, ran from the sin, falsely accused again, thrown back in prison. And I am just in awe that you never hear recorded that he was mad at God, that he was bitter about it. He was so confident. I mean, I can only imagine the sweet moments he had with God, with Jesus, while in prison. There was nothing he could do, by the way, to help God out. We talked a little bit about that in class this morning, too. He couldn't even help God out. Praise God for that, by the way. That was probably a favor. Because we know what happens, you know, when Abraham tried to help God out. It produces a big Ishmael, a big old mess. And so, but he went through it. And how many of us go through a, a, just a smidgen of those kind of trials? And we're griping, we're complaining, we're mad at God. And God's like, I'm taking you through a process because I love you, because of what I've called you to. We think that the moment we go through something difficult, that he's abandoned his promise for us. And he's like, no, this is because of the promise. This is because of it. Joseph, I love his story. I love his story. And he had to carry a whole lot of power and authority that had to be built. See, we look at these revivals and we look at these 
experiences even in the bride where there's the laying on of hands and there's these impartations. You can receive an impartation of healing. You can receive an impartation even of the gifts of the Spirit. But you cannot receive an impartation of the building of your faith or of character. There are certain things that must be built simply by your will that God will never overstep. And I love the way Bryn put it this morning. We sometimes have this encounter, this experience, and we just think that we'll now step into another place where we'll just be morphed into, that's how she said it, into this really strong place. That's just not how it works. When you go to a weight loss meeting, a Weight Watchers meeting, you don't walk out of there 70 pounds lighter because of your experience. You walk out with the opportunity and the instruction and the motivation to every day choose what you're going to put in your mouth and how active you're going to be. And all the strength God gives us to do it. Our faith has got to be walked out every single day. What makes it beautiful, though, it's not just some arduous, difficult process. It can be. But in Christ, it's beautiful. What does it say in the Gospel of John? In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer because the process relationally with me is beautiful because I have overcome the world. That's what makes it different. So, so many Christians struggling and riding the roller coaster and pursuing these experiences, hoping to ride the wave, really and, and I, don't, I don't believe, I, I know there's a hunger and a thirst, and, and not every heart is this way at all. Please understand what I'm saying. But in some cases, the pursuit is because they don't want to really do the work of choosing God every day. And they don't really want the accountability of doing life with the body of Christ. That's why a lot of people are hoppers. They'll hop from one place to the next. They don't actually want to do life and let the iron of the body of Christ rub with friction against their iron and and let the refining process happen it's a beautiful process i know i said it tuesday night but don't resist the refinement because when you're refined what do we come forth as pure gold pure gold it's it's just it's an amazing thing so fortification god wants First of all, I looked at a definition that was interesting. To strengthen, fortify, to make strong as, to strengthen and secure, to reinforce by adding material with a means of resisting force or standing strain or wear, to impart physical strength or endurance to invigorate. Fortification gives you such a stance when see fortifying your faith fortification in your faith is also learning who you are in christ when you learn who you are in christ you learn your authority and that's what he has to teach the bride because as we rise that's what we're going to be doing we're going to be taking authority over hell's kingdom we're going to be taking land when you learn who you are relationally when i stand in the courts of heaven and i am Fighting, especially when I'm fighting for someone that God has called me to fight for, a loved one. Many of us are fighting for loved ones that are in the grips of the enemy. 
and we are interceding before the throne. We are there as a witness. In some cases, we're there with our advocate and their advocate, if they're a believer, and they haven't even shown up to court. I don't know if you've ever done that in the human realm court. If you've ever gone to court on behalf of somebody else and they themselves didn't even show up, but you wanted to be there as a witness to what was coming against them. The judge has got a tough, a tough job when they don't even show up for their own on behalf of themselves for what's coming against them. That's a tough one. But a righteous, just judge will also take into consideration the witness that is for them. That's what prayer is when we fight, when we intercede for others. And especially, like when I have fought for my girls, and still continue to in various areas, I, I plead the blood of Jesus even over my role in the bloodline. I make sure all the authorities are out of my life, that any bloodline curses are out of my life, that the Lord reveals that can be broken to give them every opportunity for freedom. That's, man, you want to help your children. You want to help your grandchildren. Help, ask God to show you every authority that is legally binding in your life that has not yet been broken and get it broken in the name of Jesus. God will always bring us freedom. He came, Jesus came to set the captives free and he makes a way for us to be free. That was the first thing that motivated me because I was, I was a little resistant wondering if the the little bit of religion was still kind of on me when I was going to go to the courts and I kept thinking, oh, this is going to be such exposure and people are going to know my junk. And man, that was part of the reason I had to go to the courts. Uh, And by the way, People that maybe are listening to a podcast or online that don't understand the courts of heaven, it's, it's not some, oh, well, where is that specific teaching? It is a realm in the spirit that people are in all the time, whether they're conscious of it or not. When you go before the throne in prayer, you are before the courts of heaven. It's the courts, it's the, basically a, the lens, a judicial lens of, of access to God. And so you see it all throughout the Word of God. And I know someone asked, and we will be doing another um, seminar on understanding the courts that will be coming up soon. We'll let you know. But God wants us fortified. And he wants us, the steps to fortification to basically be three things that he gave me. Know the love of God. Just know first that you're loved. And, and this just is so basic. We just think, really, you just, you know, you have to say this. But every doubt and every fear, when you really drill down to it, it, at the root of it is a little bit of instability in that area of of knowing your love. Do you know that God is for you, not against you? Because when things are coming against you, that's when you need to know it. When everything is is being provided for, when everything is good and God's doing his thing, you, you you feel loved. When you're feeling loved, you know you're loved. But do you know you're loved when you're not feeling loved? How did Joseph know the love of God when he felt nothing, probably but disdain, from all the people in the prison? Now, by the way, his strong stance of faith turned the tables in the prison. Because in some cases, you know, people are going to see the presence of God on your life. And that's that's another reason why I love that story. But do you know that you're loved experientially? When you know that you're loved... There is a trust. See, when you rise, when we talk about rising above, when you, when you set your affection and your heart on the things that are above, you rise. The more, the higher you come up to the Lord and you know that he is there with you. He's with you in everything. Do you know it's so much easier to trust him? Even when it doesn't look like it's even possible. 
Um, I love one of the songs that, that I worship to. I think it was put out by Hillsong. I don't know, but it's, um, I don't know how you'll make a way, but I know you will. Um, I, I love that line in that song. And then every story ends with you. It's, it's just a, it's a really good song because there's so many times the Lord has said things and I'm like, okay, I believe you, but I don't know how, how you're going to make a way through that. But I know that you will. And my knowing doesn't come through anything experiential. In some cases it does because of what he's already taken me through. And every time I've chosen to believe him through what he's taken me through, he's shown me that he can be, he can be trusted. But he's taken me to new heights, new places, places I've never been. And if you want to grow in your faith, rest assured, God's not just going to have you circle around in your comfort zone and think that that's going to build your faith. He will always take you to the next challenge. He'll always stretch you beyond your capacity to function. He has to. Because in your greatest weakness, he will be able to reveal how strong he really is. And then that dependency that we can always count on will be there. So he's doing that with the bride right now, whether you're asking for it or not. If you're really wanting to grow relationally, ask him for it. Ask him to close doors. Don't, don't get off course even just a little bit, like, like what Bryn was talking about this morning with the ladies. Sometimes it's not, it's not that we're struggling with a, an overt sin issue. Sometimes it's just that we're in self-preservation. We're in this place of considering self too much. I, I was looking at a, an, a, um, a definition of humble, and I found it really interesting. Um, I looked at humility just in the dictionary, and it says, a modest or low view of one's own importance, humbleness. Okay? And I thought, okay, a modest or low view of one's own importance, right? But then... The Lord brought me to Philippians 2, 5 through 8. And this is in the Amplified Classic. And Jesus' definition, he defines true humility. Philippians 2, starting in verse 5. Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility. Okay, which is what? Verse 6. Who, although being essentially one with God, okay, Jesus was God, okay, he limited himself by choice, but he never lost his place in the Godhead. That's very, very important. Who, although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. That's basically saying that he, by his choice, by his will, limited himself. Verse 7, but stripped himself, because he had his own will, stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity, so as to assume the guise of a servant, slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. Actually, I'll go on one more verse because it's so good. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further and carried his obedience 
to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. Humility is considering not your own self. We cannot measure humility. I said this yesterday at the gifts meeting, but I will tell you, Greg's demeanor will never necessarily be a gauge to whether he's humble. People, people have definitely called him arrogant, called him all kinds of names. But humility is not determined from someone's demeanor, someone's, even, yes, attitude can reflect a lot, but sometimes that can even be misread. Where Greg's humility shows up is in his obedience, is that when the Lord tells him what to do, when he considers not his own life, not his own wife, not his own choices, not his own needs, nothing but what God tells him to do, that's when his humility is demonstrated. That is a laid down life. That is the humble and contrite heart that God said, I will not despise, that he wants from each of us. And it takes that to, it takes approaching him like a child to enter into relationship with him. He offers us so much. He is so worthy. He is so worthy of our worship. And there's so many other points and things that could be given and, and talked about and all these things. But I just, I want to keep it simplified. There was one verse that the Lord gave me that I thought was really good, and I, I printed it out really quickly. In First Peter 5.10 in the ESV, it says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. We just sang the song, you restore everything, everything, everything. I was looking at that word restoration. You know, restoration, when you look it up, includes two other words. It includes repair and return like when you're restoring an old home you're repairing it and you're returning it to its former glory especially if it was an older home god is restoring he restores our soul psalm 23 is such a great example of our process and what god is doing with his people right now the lord he is our shepherd and right out of the gate, we do not want. We do not want. He is our everything. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You can want, but it's a lie from the pit of hell. Because when the Lord is our shepherd, we don't want. We want more of him. But I'm talking about a lack. He leads us beside still waters. He allows us to lay down, as we sang about, in green pastures. And he restores our soul. The broken things that the enemy hits and 
The soul, though, gets restored through the acknowledging of him being our shepherd and the faith to believe that we don't lack anything because Jesus paid it all. He restores that. He is in the process of restoring it. It's interesting how in that chapter it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You've got this beautiful chapter of all the things that God's doing, and you're like, well, why do you have to talk to me about a shadow of death? I mean, what, where am I? What's, what's that valley all about? That's life because of the fall of man. That's this fallen world that we're in, that we have access to a kingdom realm that is at hand, that we're citizens of, but we have access to it by faith. Okay? So that's why it's only the valley of the shadow of death. It is not death itself, because we have life and life more abundant in him. And with that valley that we sometimes find ourselves in, he prepares a table before us, right in the presence of our enemies, because he's not intimidated, and we shouldn't be either. We will fear no evil. We will fear no evil. Don't let fear make a foothold in. Don't, make a, don't let fear be what drives the fact that you shall want. No, I shall not want. Why? Because I have no fear. Why? Because he's my shepherd. He's my shepherd that's making this table before me, this bountiful table in the presence of my enemies. So then he just wraps it up in a bow. Surely, only goodness, only mercy will follow me because I am in Christ Jesus all the days of my life. And I will dwell by faith in the house of the Lord forever. That is the promise of God. That is what's offered and available. Anything less than that is not believing for what he has already paid for. It is agreement with the enemy. And it's beautiful. Carson, I'd like for you to get the, um, the bowl of the communion cups, please. In the supply room, I believe, is where they are on the shelf. Lord wants us to do communion this morning. And he wants to be our focus. I could talk a whole lot more about principles of focus. There's truth in these principles. But when it comes right down to it, he just plain wants our focus. When he is acknowledged, when he is trusted, when we rise above, we go from fragile to a stronger place of fortification. And sometimes in the middle, there's a fracture. And if you've ever had a fracture, oh, it would be cruel for God to pour the weight on you, to have you carry the weight. If you fracture your forearm, he's not going to put the weight of something you can't carry in there, lest there be more of a break. He wants to, he wants to firm up that fracture. There is fractured thinking. There's fractured mindsets that he wants to repair and restore and completely change. Because when we are fortified in that, which can only come in Christ Jesus, not the in Christ Jesus that we know in doctrine. Every Christian knows they're in Christ Jesus. Do you live in Christ Jesus? Do you rise with the acknowledgement that he is everything? He is your source for everything. You shall not want. You shall not want. We can want for nothing. 
And these words are harder than you might think for me to say, because everything God has me say from this place, I am tested on. I think that's why there's just emotion just bubbling so high in my throat today. Because he's in the process of fortifying me. My heart wants the top of that ladder that I talked about last week. I want to be at the top of the ladder. I want to be as high above. I want to set my affection on things above. But you know that setting, when I set the course, when I set the course for him to not be moved, the backward thinking, if you're in a ship setting your course, you're not moving the landscape to the course of the ship. It's the ship that sets it, you know, it's the ship that moves to the direction of where you're going. And sometimes we have it backwards, like what, like what we heard in that one message posted on God Squad. We think that he's in our presence. When we're in his presence, he determines everything because it's his presence. It's his will. And even Jesus submitted himself by his own will to the Father's will. Not my will, but thine be done. As Bryn pointed out this morning, shows he clearly had a will. He had a will that when he became a man, he had his own will. And it was, it was learned obedience to stay in sync with the Father. And he wants that for us. Oh, be excited. Be excited what he's about to pour out. What is happening right now in the spirit realm, if it could be opened up in our eyes, what we could see, the angels that have already been released to take massive, major ground of strongholds, of mountains of influence, to tear them down. It is world-changing. Whatever you are grasping of the normal, whatever you are grasping of the religion, whatever you are grasping in your attempts to reconcile yourself to God, it's all about to be shattered. Everything we have known as as normal, God's restoring. He is repairing. He is renewing. It's beautiful. But if you don't see it through that lens, if you don't see it through the kingdom eyes, you're going to feel like your world is falling apart. That is not God's plan. Because the Lord is our shepherd. As Bryn so beautifully said this morning, and it's so true, he leads, we follow. Don't Get cart before horse, or there's a mess, there's injury, there's fractures that can happen. You can imagine a horse plowing, a cart plowing into a horse. There's an opportunity for fractures. It's the acknowledgement of him in all of our ways. And I'll end with this because we're going to, I'm going to allow the worship team is going to just worship and not play. I, have, I gave Casey a song and I will, um, if I don't say something after that first song, then we'll go on to the next one. Um, otherwise, I'll, I'll pray. I'll let the Holy Spirit lead. I'm not going to lead this communion the way that I normally do, but I will tell you, do not take the communion if your heart is not desiring, if your heart is holding on to anything that you don't want to let go of. Use this time to let go of anything that needs to be let go of. Cleanse your heart with Confession of sin right now, but focus on him and then take the wafer and the cup. There's a song that he gave me this week that is very powerful. It actually has narration in it. It is called Revelation 5. And, boy, (laughs) revival 
is God's response to the cries of his people. I, I, I agree with that. That's a lot of definitions of, revelation, of a revival. But I'm telling you, revival, I've been experiencing revival. And I probably should have been a little bit more prepared. I think the first time I heard this song, it was in my car and I could hardly drive. Um, presence of God just, he would have taken care of me. But it was intense. Um, he is worthy of our acknowledgement, of our trust, of our praise. And I know what Tom and I were talking about a couple weeks ago of Psalm 37.4. He's the one that wants to give you the right desires when you delight in him. He will give you every desire of your heart if you let him give you those desires. And then you're going to find out that what you desired would have been a disaster course for you. So that's why we can't rise and think about what we want to do for the Lord. We just need to rise and think of the Lord. Hear him, know him, relationally get to know him. And in that relational place, we'll know exactly how to live and move and have our being. Because everything, vocationally, relationally, financially, everything you are doing is all for kingdom purposes. There's not God and your job. There's not God and your relationships. There's not God and your efforts politically or whatever people are into. They are all assignments, if they're God-given, they're all assignments for kingdom purposes. Everything is just a tool to, for God to further his kingdom. That's When you're in that place, it's a beautiful place. And you'll do more, you'll go more, you'll accomplish more than you even thought to ask for. Because God wants for us so much more than we want for ourselves. We're so limited and myopic and small in our thinking. God has so much more. So we're going to just acknowledge him. I'm going to have Jeff, you take the house lights down back there, please. Leave the front lights on and just worship him. Let him speak to you and then love on him. Don't just seek him for what he wants to tell you. Seek him. He'll release whatever he wants. And I saw a door standing open in heaven. And I heard a voice like a trumpet saying, come up here and I will show you things. And immediately I was in the spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven. And one sat on the throne. And he who sat there, he was shining like Jasper. He was burning like Sardius. And an emerald rainbow surrounded him. And around the throne... I saw 24 thrones. And on them sat elders. They were robed with robes of white, crowned with crowns of gold. They were sitting and robed and throned. From the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass. Seven lamps of fire burning before the throne of God, which are the seven spirits of God. 
and around the throne and in the midst of the throne were four. Four living creatures having eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. They do not rest saying, Holy. These burning creatures surrounding the throne, they've been in the same room with the same person. Singing the same word forever. They've never gotten used to it. I believe there's a prophetic call to the church in this hour. There's a holy invitation being given in this hour. Come up here. Come up here. Come up and come. Come up. Come out. Come up and come in. Come out of bondage. Come out of religion. Come out of other narratives and come to the throne room. Church, it's the hour for divine perspective. It's the hour to get connected with the unshakable kingdom, the unshakable throne that's above every throne, that's above every power, and there's one on the throne. Abba! He's shining. You're burning. Emerald rainbow surrounding. You are the beautiful God. You are the burning God. You are. 
I want to go on to that second song, please. With this song, just worship him, worship him.
worship you. We acknowledge you as King, as Lord, as Almighty God. There is no other. God, we receive and take this communion in remembrance of you, Jesus. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you that though while despised and rejected, everyone turning away, you paid the price for our sin. God, I just praise you. I thank you. I thank you and I love you, Lord. Oh, God, fortify the faith of your people today in that place of relationship that you so graciously offer. The grace that is God's riches at Christ's expense. Thank you. I worship you, God. I worship you, God. Help us to humbly approach you with full obedience. No hesitation. No limits. Believe. Believe that you love us. Choose you at every turn. Lay down in humility ourselves, not considering our lives, but knowing that you already considered us. Because you sent your son to die for us. You considered us with the greatest love. So we don't have to consider ourselves. We can just live for you, live in your love, in your life. I just worship you, God. I just worship you, God. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would ignite that fire within each of us to spark not a temporary move of your spirit, but to spark us to the place of the normal Christianity that you originally wanted for your people to bride. One that will never fade. That is what we desire. We love you, Lord. I praise you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.